What are we really looking for? This question stands at the centre of our lives, our hopes, our dreams. It's the motivating force that drives us forwards. Yet, when we consider it deeply, we see several things. First of all, that what we felt was important to us when we were younger may not be what we want now. And secondly, we may have attained what we thought we wanted, but although we were pleased when we got it, it no longer feels satisfying to us anymore and we feel the need to move on. This problem in actually knowing what we want comes about because of the nature of the will to receive oneself alone, which forms the basis of the ego. We are all created with the vessels of the will to receive. These stem from the purpose of creation, which is the desire of God to give pleasure to the created beings. This desire instantly created the will to receive all the pleasure and joy he has to bestow on us. Thus, stamped within all the created beings, as our basic nature, is our desire to receive all the good and joy that the Creator wants to give us. However, when we use this basic nature in the way that seems natural to us, receiving only for ourselves alone, we find that it doesn't satisfy us for very long. Indeed, the rabbis expressed this phenomenon succinctly. They said, he gets one portion, he wants 200. In other words, the vessel of receiving is never satisfied. Not only that, but the light that can be received by the vessel of receiving for oneself alone, the ego, is very limited indeed. The holy Ari called it Nihiro Dakik, a tiny light. That is, the ego receives just enough light to give this vessel existence. So even when we receive what we thought we wanted, we find after a bit we're not satisfied and something happens to make us restless and drive us on. We need to ask, what is it that makes us so restless? It could be one of several causes. One, that we find it doesn't satisfy us because the light obtained by the vessel is small and not as big as we imagined it would be. Or two, because the light itself causes the vessel to receive to enlarge. And so now we need more light to fill it, as the rabbi said in the Talmud. But it could be for a different type of reason altogether. Maybe we were simply looking in the wrong direction. Man is made up of two components, body and soul. The term body in the Kabbalah implies the will to receive, usually the ego, as we explained earlier. The ego comes down to us through the worlds of uncleanness. The soul exemplifies the will to give. This comes about through the tikkun of creation, the rectification of creation. The Malchut of the Ein Sof, the original vessel of receiving, wanted to be an affinitive form of the Creator. And to prevent God's gift being solid with the shame of receiving, there was therefore brought forth an additional aspect of creation for the benefit of the created beings, and this aspect is called the tikkun of creation. In this tikkun, the original vessel of receiving is rectified so that it may receive only for the sake of giving pleasure to the giver. This desire for giving comes to us through our soul.
the soul is naturally in affinity of form with God. Our problem is not that we don't have the ability to be in affinity of form with God, but that we don't function accordingly in practice. Well, this is because, although we are very aware of the desires of the ego, we are, by and large, very unaware of the needs of the soul and find it hard to identify with it. The light attained by the soul does not come into the vessels of receiving at all. It's defined as the joy of giving, the or de chassadim. The light that the soul receives is unrestricted. There is no limit to giving. Furthermore, it is eternal. And the joy of giving helps us feel closer to the Creator, not further away from Him. Our question becomes, how do we become more aware of the desires of the soul if this is hidden from us? The answer is in several ways. Firstly, by the study of Torah. The Torah is actually the essence of God himself. It is the light of God. And since the light of God is all giving, the Torah itself has a special light within it called Hama'or Sheba Torah, the illumination of the Torah, which brings a person into more awareness of his soul. Indeed, the sages have said, the light that is in it brings a person back to the right way. However, this is with the proviso that the person studies the Torah with the intention that it should bring him back to the right way. Also, we become more aware of the desires of the soul by practicing giving to others and to God unconditionally. This helps us have awareness of the needs of others and slowly gets us accustomed to focusing outside ourselves. Instead of focusing on what we think we need, we can focus on what the other one needs. All of us know the tremendous satisfaction involved in helping others, especially when our focus is not on what we receive for it, but on the pleasure and satisfaction of our fellow. This is a pleasure which warms our hearts and never fails. Likewise, we can slowly get accustomed to the mitzvot that are between man and God. Not doing them out of habit, or because we were brought up to it, but as a living reality of our interaction with the Creator. Gradually, our main motivation in our lives can then become clarified into what we really want, as we begin to identify with our souls. Rabbi Baruch Shalom Halevi Ashlag, in one of his articles in the inner work, published in Sefer Marmarim, writes as follows. A person has to know the purpose that he wants to achieve, and he needs to pay close attention and take great interest in the question as to what he expects out of his life. In other words, he should say to himself, I've come to know for certain what it is that I want, now that I've clarified for myself the different pleasures that one may obtain in this life. If I had the possibility to achieve my desire, then I would have the strength and understanding to say, now I can give thanks to the creator of the world for the fact that he created it. Simply, I can now say with all my heart, blessed be he that spoke and the world came into being. Now that I feel the goodness and joy, I can truthfully say it was worth it for me and for all created beings to have been created, so we may all receive the good and delight 
that I now receive from the purpose of creation. If I had the possibility to achieve my desire, then I would have the strength and understanding to say, now I can give thanks to the creator of the world for the fact that he created it. Simply, I can now say with all my heart, blessed be he that spoke and the world came into being. Now that I feel the goodness and joy, I can truthfully say it was worth it for me and for all created beings to have been created, so we may all receive the good and delight that I now receive from the purpose of creation, which is designated as the will to benefit the created beings. Even though the person may still be far from achieving his aim, nevertheless, if he knows, with the clearest of knowledge, from what it is that he will be able to receive his happiness in the future, then he already has the wherewithal to receive life in the present. This is what the rabbi said. Rabbi Meir says, Whoever occupies himself with Torah for its own sake will merit many things. Not only that, but the whole world becomes worthwhile to him. He's called friend, beloved, lover of the one, a lover of all people, one who gives joy to God, one who gives joy to people. He's clothed in humility and in the fear of being separated from the Creator. He's fitted to be a tzaddik, a pious one, upright and faithful, keeping his fellow far from sin and bringing his fellow closer to the One. Others rejoice in his counsel and in his wisdom, in his understanding and his fortitude. As it is said, I have counsel and wisdom, I am understanding, I have fortitude. Sovereignty is given to him, governance and resource in judgment. Secrets of the Torah are revealed to him and he becomes like an overflowing spring, like a river that does not cease. He is modest and long-suffering, forgiving those who insult him and he is great and exalted over all God's created beings. In this saying of Rabbi Meir's, the sages define the goal of the person who is identified with the vessel of the soul. We see that Rabbi Meir's saying starts with various virtues, attributes we would like to possess because they would bring us into affinity of form with the Creator. He's called friend, beloved, lover of the one, a lover of all people, one who gives joy to God, one who gives joy to people. He's clothed in humility and in the fear of being separated from the Creator. We need to ask ourselves, what do I need to do to be a true friend? Not a fair-weather friend or a friend who's really only there in order to assuage my own loneliness, but a friend who's there because we really love the other person and want to help him and be there for him. Beloved. It's hard work to become beloved. We all know relationships between the spouses are hard. Men and women are opposite in nature. And it takes a lot of love and patience, both to be beloved in the eyes of the other and for him or her to be beloved in our eyes. A lover of God. God is one. Yet his actions appear to us in every possible form, both good and bad. Can we come to love him? What would it truly mean to love God? A love of all people. It's not possible to come to the love of all people 
if we do not have some grasp on the love of God first. It isn't possible to like everyone, at least not naturally. But love is something else. We can come to love the other, to give to the other, because even though it might be very hidden from us, within each person there is the spark of God and we can value each person for the fact that he or she is a precious creation of God and one day will reach his fulfilment. One who gives joy to God. What does giving joy to God actually mean? The sages have made it clear to us that God is perfect and complete. He does not have any lack. Therefore, what joy can we give him? The sages teach us that God gets joy when he sees us coming into affinity of form with him. When we correct our vessels of receiving to those of giving, then we can get to the final stage of our lives, which is to receive from God all that he wants to give us. Not because we need to receive, but because we want to give him the pleasure of fulfilling his purpose of creation. As the scripture says, what a dear son Ephraim is, he is the child of my delight. For whenever I speak of him, I earnestly remember him. My compassion is stirred for him. I shall surely have mercy on him, says the Lord. One who gives joy to people. Giving joy to God and giving joy to people actually come hand in hand. It isn't possible to do one without the other. The sages have said, how is it possible to cleave to him? He is a consuming fire. They answered, just as he is merciful and gracious, so you be merciful and gracious. Rashi commented, just as he clothes the naked and heals the sick, so do you. The truth is that all of us are one soul. If we work on ourselves, trying to come into affinity of form with God, then all benefit. This is because, as I work on my inner self, then all the souls go up with me. As Rabbi Eliezer said, one who merits tilts himself and all the world into the side of merit. He's clothed in humility. Humility is not a well understood attribute. Often a person will make himself smaller than he really is and think he's being humble. That's not true humility. Real humility is being willing and eager to do the will of God because you know that even the opportunity to do the will of God comes from him anyhow. All comes from him. Of Moses, the scripture says he was the most humble of men. And yet when asked, he went straight up that mountain to receive the Torah from God face to face. That was actually true humility, knowing that both the vessels and the light all come from him and being willing to be his hands and legs to do whatever is needed. Clothed in the fear of being separated from the Creator. The fear of being separated from the Creator means not acting in a way that will cause a barrier between me and him, between me and my soul. It is another expression of our love for God. As we do not wish to do anything which will upset our most beloved, so we do not wish to do anything that will estrange ourselves from God. How do I know what such acts may be? For that, we are given the 365 don't do's of the mitzvot of the Torah. If we were to do them, God forbid, these would cause a barrier between him and us. As we work on acquiring these attributes, the desire to attain them becomes ours. We let go of the desires of the ego, which are limited, and learn to identify with the true desires of the soul.
Shimei answers, He's fitted to be a tzaddik, a pious one, upright and faithful, keeping his fellow far from sin and bringing his fellow closer to the one. Others rejoice in his counsel and in his wisdom, in his understanding and his fortitude. As tis said, I have counsel and wisdom, I am understanding, I have fortitude. Sovereignty is given to him, governance and resource in judgment. Secrets of the Torah are revealed to him and he becomes like an overflowing spring, like a river that does not cease. He is modest and long-suffering, forgiving those who insult him and he is great and exalted over all God's created beings. Rabbi Ashlag continues, When a person pays attention to that which he is able to achieve, he feels the importance of his goal and he can imagine for himself the happiness and wholeness that will be his. So when a person feels the importance of the purpose of his life and pictures for himself the happiness and wholeness he will achieve, and for sure the joy and delight that he will have on its achieving cannot be estimated, then to the measure that he believes the importance of coming to affinity form of the Creator, and to the degree in which he believes, both for himself and for the community, in the principle, even though the Mashiach tarries, nevertheless I shall wait for him until he comes, he can receive now, in the present, the light of life from the future when his purpose will be fulfilled. This audio recording is brought to you from Nahora's School, established by Yadida Cohen for the study of the Kabbalah as taught by Rabbi Yehudalev Ashlag. Studies with Yadida Cohen are available through the Nahora's School online. Details at www.nahoraschool.com or www.nahorapress.com.